Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. We talk about the continued harm. All you have to do, you're here, is open up your eyes and see uh, the continual effects of, of what happened almost 100 years ago. In 1921, a thriving community in North Tulsa, known as Black Wall Street, was reduced to rubble and ash. The number of those killed in the melee is still unknown. However, historians believe between 100 and 300 people were killed in the massacre. More than 1,000 homes and hundreds of businesses were burned. Tiffany Crutcher's great-grandmother, Rebecca Brown Crutcher, escaped to Muskogee. But Crutcher was an adult before she learned anything about the Tulsa Race Massacre or her family's history. Every time I, you know, share it with folks where I was from, people from Chicago, L.A., Detroit, uh, they would say, oh, Black Wall Street, the Tulsa Race Riot. And I had no idea what they were speaking of. And I came home one weekend and I said, Dad, what are they talking about? And that's when he shared with me that his grandmother had to flee in fear of of her life and jump on, on on the back of a truck and she fled off to Muskogee. She never talked about it. My dad didn't learn about it until he came back from Vietnam, right when Martin Luther King was assassinated and riots broke out and that's when she whispered to him. She whispered, <laughs> something like that happened here. She was forced into silence, had to deal with the internalized grief because of the fear tactics, because of the white supremacist tactics that if you say anything, you may be lynched next or this may happen again, and that's how afraid they were. Hushed conversations about the traumatic events of 1921 are not uncommon. To this day, some members of the community are reluctant to talk about its history. It's just the idea that if you have a traumatic event that is so traumatic, you don't want to remember it. Pastor Leroy Cole is the senior pastor at Mount Zion Church in Tulsa. The house of worship was burned 100 years ago. Only its basement was left standing after the inferno. The church was rebuilt in 1948, resting on the same foundation that survived the destruction of the early 20th century. As the congregation prepares for the centennial, not all of its members want to confront the past. Uh, sometimes when we discuss the massacre now, you'll have some pushback. And the pushback uh, comes from the idea of, uh, we really don't want that tag but it is history. They were taught to be scared just in case something ever happened or just in case someone knew, you know, it was put in them to not be from Greenwood, that fear to not say that they were from there. State Representative A.J. Pittman says she did not learn about her family's connection to Greenwood until she was an adult. Her great-great-grandparents owned Burnett's Market, and they were able to escape the massacre and rebuild their business in other cities. I think it was a, a matter of fear, but also guilt. Pittman's great-grandmother was two when the family fled from Greenwood. It wasn't until she died in 2015 that the family found out her first name was actually Tulsa. She started going by her middle name, Juanita, and she never said that her first name was Tulsa, and she used it as a middle name later. For black descendants of historical trauma, 
Not only do thoughts of what happened to their families haunt them, but the places in which those deadly events occurred can also be triggers for pain, grief, and continued fear. Those stories of, you know, property being burned and bombings and people being, people's kids being killed and, and murdered, those stories are passed down. And to know that one is still existing within feet or miles of, of where this unfortunate traumatic event occurred in 1921, just being in that area could also provoke or invoke uh, uh, feelings of anger, uh, sadness, depression, stress, worry, concern. Mark Davis, Chief Programs Officer of Mental Health Association, Oklahoma, grew up in the area. Davis is African-American and Native American. I grew up out north, and just hearing those stories can definitely uh, and have actually invoked uh, feelings of um, uh, you know, stress and uh, a disconnection. Everyone wants a sense of belongingness. And if you don't have that in your community, if you don't feel that bedrock of support that you're supposed to feel, um, that's not a good feeling to have. The sense of insecurity, the loss of place and community, those experiences are handed down through generations and the echoes can be heard throughout modern culture. And really it's not the impact that the massacre had on the people who experienced it, but the children. So now you've got another generation that, that the fear is coming up in. And that generation has that fear. An emerging field of research supports the idea of generational trauma, with some experts concluding the emotional and psychological impact of a single traumatic event can have a ripple effect through subsequent generations of a survivor's family. Researchers have studied such impacts among the offspring of those who have survived some of history's deadliest events, from the Nazi Holocaust and the atomic bombs in Japan, to the killing of nearly 1.5 million Armenians in Ottoman Turkey and the Khmer Rouge genocide in Cambodia. Those who have studied the issue say common themes have emerged, mainly with regard to how offspring of trauma survivors form their own identities and how they cope with what's happened to their families. Representative Pittman's family was able to open several grocery stores in Oklahoma in the years following the massacre, but they lived modestly, not wanting to draw attention to their success. They didn't want to spend a lot of money, even though they, they became wealthy and he built the first two-story home in my district um, because of the grocery stores and the business success that he had had. But it was very, like, they didn't flaunt. They didn't buy new property. They didn't buy new a whole lot of new cars just because they wanted to keep a low profile. The same lifestyle was passed down to their children. I remember my great-grandmother in 2015 passing away and having all this money in the bank, and we never knew anything about it. So I think it taught them a sense of, we don't know when things are gonna turn upside down. So we're gonna make sure we store everything that we can, we protect everything that we can. When you reflect back on the fact that people have lost family members, they've lost their property, they lost their sense of foundation, um, there's a, uh, a, a tendency, which is very much understandable, uh, to where there is a, a lack of trust from um, a public um, entities.
entities, governments, um, uh, local, state, um, that is carried down. Often, following generations are confused about their place in the world, which they see as dangerous and indifferent to their family's suffering. I always say that the same racist culture and state-sanctioned violence that burned down Black Wall Street, my great-grandmother's community, is the same state-sanctioned violence and culture that killed my twin brother with his hands in the air. Crutcher's twin brother, Terrence Crutcher, was killed on September 16, 2016. Terrence was shot by former Tulsa police officer Betty Shelby while he stood next to his SUV. Video from police car dash cam as well as helicopter footage shows Crutcher's hands were in the air. Shelby testified in court she was scared. Terrence Crutcher wasn't obeying commands and he appeared to be reaching into his vehicle. The 40-year-old was unarmed. A jury found Shelby not guilty of first-degree manslaughter. There's so many stark parallels. You know, they, they, they really wouldn't render aid to the victims of, of the massacre. They didn't render first aid to my brother. They blamed our ancestors for the massacre. They blamed Terrence, the mayor of this city, for his own death. Uh, blacks never received atonement or restitution for what happened. My family has yet to receive justice. Against the backdrop of slavery, Jim Crow laws, racial massacres, and modern police shootings involving African Americans, some in the black community say the constant work of repairing their families and culture is undertaken in a system that is inherently against them. Black, indigenous, uh, people of color, if you haven't heard that term, BIPOC, these are our most vulnerable due to living in a, a system of uh, structural racism is how I term it. And what I mean by that is when you have a system that has been designed, in a sense, uh, to be uh, exclusionary and oppressive uh, to persons of color, um, that starts to weigh on people over time because it impacts their overall quality of life, which is really important. Symptoms of what Davis calls race-based traumatic stress include post-traumatic stress, depression, anger, recurring thoughts of a negative experience, sleeplessness, hypervigilance, and low self-esteem. Symptoms can look different across, you know, different cultural groups. You know, so it's it's very important to note that, unlike PTSD, race-based traumatic stress is uh, unfortunately at this point is not considered a mental health disorder. Mm. Uh, race-based traumatic stress is more considered as a mental injury. Um, I mean, I, I would even say on a broader scale, it's a moral injury to humanity, uh, in my opinion. Um, and, and that can occur as a result of living with the, within a system that's suppressive, racist, et cetera, et cetera. While black people are working through these issues, they must also endure calls by some to move on from past events. Or get over it. Davis is aware of the sentiment and says this kind of thinking strips people of their humanity, dignity, and peace. You know, there are still mass grave sites that are, and people that are dead that have been just dumped in unmarked areas uh, in, in Tulsa. That's very cruel and inhumane. Regardless of the fact that it was 100 years ago, this is about being morally, morally just and exercising some dignity and paying homage and respect 
to the people who have lost loved ones and the people who have lost their lives. Davis says there's a hard push in the mental health field to provide contextualization in education, social work, and treatment to help those experiencing race-based traumatic stress work past their obstacles. One, I think it is important for the experts, the psychologists, the, um, the therapists, the LCSW, LPCs, to be knowledgeable about post-traumatic slave syndrome, to be knowledgeable, knowledgeable about racial traumatic uh, uh, stress. And we are making it a point that that is a level of academia that needs to be continued to be cultivated across the country is understanding uh, the emotional and psychological impact of uh, racism and microaggressions uh, that are uh, that we are subjected to on a fairly regular basis unfortunately.